Side Hustle Show, episode 24. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your 9 to 5 may make you a living, but your 5 to 9 makes you alive. And now, your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 24, and today we're covering the three questions that serious side hustlers need to ask themselves and three bonus tips to help generate side hustle ideas. My guest is Laurel Staples from GoFireYourself.com. I love the domain. Uh, She's an experienced entrepreneur with a unique take on business because she actually quit her job as an engineer to open up a retail store. And as you might might guess, we don't get too many brick-and-mortar retail retailers coming by Side Hustle Nation, so we'll be sure to ask her about that. As always, you can check out the show notes for this episode at SideHustleNation.com slash episode 24. Uh, News and notes before we get into it. Uh, Shout out for a new five-star iTunes review. Carlos from GetCatapulted.net says, great podcast if you have a nine- or if you have a 9-to-5 job but are you working on your side hustle, this podcast is a must-listen. There are plenty of other podcasts on entrepreneurship, but this one focuses on us, the side hustler. You get plenty of motivation and great advice from other side hustlers and only gets you more pumped to work on your biz. Well, I get pumped reading comments like that. Thank you so much, Carlos. And if you want to hear your name and website on the radio, leave your own review at sidehustlenation.com slash iTunes and, uh, and tweet me up. Now, let's get right into it. We'll get Laurel on the line. Laurel, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thanks, Nick. It's so great to be here today. I think what you're doing is fantastic, so I'm really excited to be on the show today. Well, thank you. Hopefully other people think it's fantastic, too. So <laughs> Laurel Staples is joining me today. She says uh, she is a self-proclaimed recovering engineer, where she quit her corporate job in 2007 to work for herself full-time. Today, she runs her own photography business, shooting musicians and other creative folks in Nashville, Tennessee, and runs the popular entrepreneurship blog, Go Fire Yourself, Go Fire Yourself dot com. So Laura, let's start off with the path that led here. You you were an engineer at Lexmark and then you jumped into some other businesses uh, after that. But let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey to get to this point. Nick, that's great because I wish I had had some resource like you when I first quit my job because I would have done it a lot differently. So you're correct. I am a recovering engineer. I got my engineering degree in 2004, and I went to work for Lexmark designing color laser printers. And let me tell you, I was miserable, and it was a it was a tough time. I found that I did really well in school because it was like the harder that I worked, the better grades I got. You know, if I got a paper done early, I had more free time, and I got to the corporate world and. It was totally different. It was like the more work you did and the better you did, the more work they gave you. <laughs> and I learned I learned that really fast and I did not excel at my corporate job. So the moment I got in, I started plotting my way to get back out. And the way I did that was I started planning a retail store. And in retrospect, I would not have done this and we might dive into that a little bit later, but I started planning a retail store. So I was up in Kentucky working my corporate job, being miserable, and started planning my retail store during my lunch breaks and after work. And my plan was to move back down to Nashville. 
and open up my store because I'm from I'm originally from Nashville and I wanted to move back here because I had a lot more contacts here and I knew how I wanted to set it up. So it took me about three years. I probably planned the store for about a year and a half or two years and then was able to move back to Nashville. So I quit my job, moved back to Nashville and opened an eco-friendly clothing store. Okay. Now by planning the store, you mean like, um, you know, scoping out uh, space or, you know, designing the interior or like, you know, getting inventory. What do you mean by planning out the store? All of the above, actually. Yeah. So my main thing is I was looking for a space to open it up in. So in Nashville. So I was working with a realtor, a commercial realtor in Nashville while I was in Kentucky. So working to find that space. So it's kind of difficult because I didn't know what the space would look like, but and how big it would be and what I was getting myself into. But I had to go ahead and order the inventory. So I was working on ordering the inventory getting all that set up, getting the website set up, you know, just doing every everything that was the foundation of the business aside from just being able to open the doors. Okay. What um, how much does it cost to rent a retail space? Like that seems like a that seems a, like a very um, expensive side hustle and and maybe I'm guessing guessing wrong on that. Well, the problem was one, it couldn't, it wasn't a side hustle. Like I had to quit to do it. I think that was the first <laughs> problem right there. It's a it, was, move. it was really, really pricey. And at the time I heard people say, you know, overhead is going to kill you, Laurel. And, you know, you really don't want to be spending that much on rent. You know, when you're first starting out, no one knows about you. And I was like, no, it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, every, I'm going to build it and people are going to come. And because when you're when you're planning something, you definitely you're not open to hearing the advice from other people that are like, maybe you shouldn't do that (laughs) exactly how you're trying to do it. And so, yeah, okay. to answer your actual question, I think renting the space that I went in in Nashville, I was in the high end area in Nashville and it was about five thousand dollars a month. Okay, wow. So it's a good place to be, but that's a lot of eco-friendly clothes. You got to sell those to crack that. A lot. Exactly. You're exactly right. So that that was tricky. And that was just the cost of the rent to rent the building. I mean, you have you have to hire people, you have to set up your electricity and utilities and you know, you even need to pay for music. I mean, everything else had to be on top of that. So that was that was pretty pricey there. Okay. So after that, so so what happened with the with the store? You kind of have done some foreshadowing here, but tell <laughs> yeah. Well, the store, the problem, one of the problems was, and I don't want to totally blame it on this, but I opened my doors December two thousand seven, and if if you all recall, December two thousand seven was when the recession started. <laughs> not a good time to open a retail store or anything for that matter. So that was a little tough to get it rolling. And I think it, in retrospect, I think it did okay, but there was just so much overhead associated with it. And you constantly have to buy new inventory because if people come back and they see that you have the same thing that you had last fall, (laughs) you know, they're like, okay, you need to, you need to kind of update this a little bit. So that was, that was kind of tricky. So eventually what happened is two years down the road, I did decide to close the doors. And that was that was tough. But I think in the end, you know, it was it was my first full time entrepreneurial venture. It was amazing. I learned a ton of stuff, but it was it was time to move on to the next thing. Yeah, it sounds like it was maybe uh, a valuable educational experience, if nothing else. 
It was. It was a very expensive educational <laughs> experience. I kind of like to think of it as I meet students these days, especially in Nashville, and they say they're studying entrepreneurship, you know, and they're spending thirty, forty thousand dollars a year to go to school to study entrepreneurship. Well, I just did it in this different format. That's so. right. And it was an accelerated program. <laughs> exactly. It was a two year program. <laughs> you know, I got out, I had, you know, spent a lot of money, but I got a lot of valuable insights. So that's all you can ask for. Very cool. So, so since then, what, I guess, what would you do differently? So maybe not open retail. So you've focused a little bit on some lower overhead businesses since then. Let's talk about those. Yeah. Well, after that, when I originally got out of the retail store, I was like, thinking, I don't know what to do. You know, I really didn't have a direction at that point. I just knew it was time to move on. So eventually what I did was I I switched gears completely and I got into health coaching. And you you all probably know in California a little bit more about health coaching than people in the South, but health coaching <laughs> is kind of like a life coach, but with your health and your fitness. So that was something that I dealt with when I was working my corporate job is I've I developed a lot of different food allergies and I had healed different problems that I had, including a thyroid disease. And I'd healed all this through changing my diet. So that was always something that was kind of in the back of my mind and definitely something I was passionate about. So I discovered this school. It was called the Institute for Integrated Nutrition that certified you to become a health coach. So I took that next step after my retail store. And I took everything that I'd learned from marketing and growing my retail store and launched this coaching business, which was great because once again, something I was passionate about, but there was really no overhead associated with it. I eventually did get an office and I worked out of an office for a while. And that, but that was, you know, a fraction of the yeah, cost yeah. of the retail store. So that was that was my next step in my my careers along the way. Definitely, and coaching is something that, uh, like you said, very low overhead and very few hurdles to to entry. So, how did you end up getting your first uh, nutrition coaching client or health coaching clients? Oh, that's a great question. I th- I'm trying to think back to my first ones. Two ways. I think the first way was reaching out to the people that I already knew. And you always hear build that network before you need it. And that's something that's really critical. So I already had a network of people in Nashville that I knew. I mean, even through my retail store, through my friends, through my family, all of that. So my one of my first clients um, was just through that that network of people that I already knew. Another way that I got some clients was reaching out to referral partners in town. So I contacted anyone I could think of that would be interested in kind of working with me to send clients back and forth. So I contacted like a personal, personal trainers and yoga studios and massage therapists and really anybody that I thought their clients might benefit from what I do. So I got some people that way. That was a great way actually, because once you establish that connection with somebody, you know, you don't have to work so hard to get those clients. Yeah, so I love that's, that. That's really smart. You know, kind mm-hmm. of going after some complimentary uh, businesses where you guys can uh, can share clients and work together. Exactly. And support each other and kind of grow your business together because it's always easier to rise to the top with other people than by yourself. Okay. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and 
you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But you, are you still doing the coaching stuff today? I am a little bit. So I will still take on a client here and there. And I have a couple, I have a couple clients, but it's something that I'm not, I'm not actively marketing. And unless I like love you and really want to work with you, then I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. So the main focus is on the photography biz, which I, I love because this is very similar to a story to, uh, to, to my wife who's a, she's not yet a recovering engineer, but is still doing uh, engineering for her day job. I started a photography side hustle. And so here's something that, you know, everybody and their brother thinks they're a professional photographer because they've got a fancy camera and stuff. So how do you like, overcome that and sell clients on? taking their pictures and, and charging money for that. Exactly. Well, I'm really proud of your wife for not opening a retail store and then becoming <laughs> a photographer. So that's that's the good news there. It's a one-time investment instead of ongoing monthly, uh, <laughs> monthly cost. Exactly. exactly. Well, I think what I learned through my health coaching, because I'm learning things all along the way here to kind of find my niche, is through the health coaching, I learned that I loved everything around getting the clients. And so I loved all the marketing. I liked speaking. I like meeting with referral partners. I liked all of that. But when I actually got the client, I was like, oh, well, now I have a client that I got to work with. It's going to take me away from all my marketing. <laughs> and that was a little bit, it was a little odd. I was like, why don't I like the client as much? But with photography, and I've been doing photography since the mid 90s. So that wasn't something new to me. But what I realized is when I was doing photography is I liked everything around working on the website, marketing, all of that, getting all the clients. And I also love doing the photography. I love editing the photography. I love sharing the photography. So it's like 
that seemed like more of a good fit for me. But I use some of the same tactics that I used in health coaching. And one of the big ones that I've used is referral partners. So I shoot musicians. I'm in Nashville, Music City. We've got a lot of musicians. So I shoot a lot of musicians. So I found people in the music industry that had clients and were working with a lot of younger musicians and who needed photography. And so I've got a couple good referral partners that every time they get new clients or their clients come out with a new album and they need photography, they just send them my way, which is awesome. Definitely. All right. So let's kind of shift gears into the main focus of our chat today, which is kind of how people can discover the side hustle that's best for them. There's uh, an overwhelming array of options out there. And I realize I don't help the situation by publishing posts like you know, 79 side hustle ideas you can start today. And I having, saw that <laughs> having a different, you know, different uh, one featured every week on the podcast and stuff. But you know, there's, there's kind of this paralysis of analysis where it's like, Oh, which, which path do I choose? And um, as somebody who's gone down several different paths, um, you know, maybe you can help us, uh, you know, what questions can people ask themselves to determine kind of the best use of their time or what side hustle, um, you know, might be best for them? I think that's such a great question, Nick, because I really think there's no right or wrong. You know, I'm saying a retail store didn't work for me. That doesn't mean it's not eventually going to work for somebody else. I don't want to crush anyone's dream on that. So there's no right or wrong. You know, everyone's different. And I think because you see someone, you know, kicking ass at a certain business, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's for you or vice versa. If they're not doing well, you shouldn't go that route. So I, th- I always advise people to ask themselves three big questions when it comes to, okay, what, what do I focus on right now? What do I go forward with? Cause there's so many options, you know, you're reading your blog posts with with 79 different options. It's like, oh my gosh. It might even be more. Like it might be more as stuff gets added to it too. It's bad. (laughs) Exactly. And plus with all the ideas that, you know, we as entrepreneurs, like we're idea factories and they're just ideas coming out of us just all day long. So with all those, I think the first question you want to ask yourself is what lights you up? You know, what are you passionate about? What do you like to talk to your friends about? What do you like to read? What do you like to do? Because you are going to be spending a lot of time on your side hustle, especially if you want to take it to the next level and quit your job to do it. So you really want to find something that you like doing, that you're invested in and that you have a passion for. And that was kind of the theme throughout all of my different businesses is I always had really a deep-rooted passion for whatever I was doing. And I think that really comes across when you're sharing it with people and telling people about what you do is that is that passion. So you got to make sure it's something that you really love to do. And in the end, I think, you know, we all love to make money, but it's not just about making money. It's about living this life that you want to live and doing something you enjoy. And when you're spending your, as you call it, your five to nine, you know, doing something, spending your time on something, you want to make sure that it's something that you like. So I think that's the first question that you want to ask yourself. Yeah, it can be a grind and and you know to to get your side hustle off the ground, and I think that makes perfect sense. You know, and I'm I'm in the school of thought like you doesn't necessarily need you don't necessarily need to be passionate about it, but you need to like it enough um, to be able to you know spend the time and and, and not dread working on it. Because if you're <laughs> if you're not looking forward to your job and you're not looking forward to your side hustle, it's like well, what's even the point? You know? Exactly. Yeah, and I think 
you get into that thing with the passion, you know, you do have to, you just have to like it. You have to like it enough and you might like, you know, one part of it and not another part of it. I mean, surely with the retail store, I didn't like every single part of it, but I had an innate kind of passion to create something. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs like that just creation part of it. So that's, that's something to think about. Definitely. And, um, so Spencer Hawes was on from niche pursuits a few weeks ago and he was talking like his first niche site was on like Buffalo nickels or something ridiculous. And so I was asking him about that. And, and it's definitely, uh, it goes back to the process. Like I'm not, it, just, I build sites based on what the keyword research tells me is going to be, you know, a profitable keyword and stuff. So it has nothing to do with like a topic that he cares about or anything. And so it's like, it has to be the process if it's going to be a side hustle like that. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a passion for what you're doing or a passion for the process or something like I love keyword research. Like that's <laughs> fascinating to me. I think it's, I have an engineering background. I'm like, Oh, it makes sense. Anyway. Oh, so right. I think just having, having that interest in what you're doing, if you're going to be doing it and you're going to be spending your valuable time on it. So that's the first thing. Very good. Question number two. Question two is what, ask yourself what talents and what skills do you have? So what are you good at? You know, what do your friends and family ask you for help on? Just starting to think about that. I mean, do you have computer skills, artistic skills, organizational skills, management skills? You know, what kind of talents and skills do you have? Because you want to pick a side hustle that really plays to your skills and your talents. Because otherwise, it's going to be a challenge to get it off the ground. You know, it doesn't matter how passionate I am about you know, maybe food, but if I don't have the skills to like put together a recipe <laughs> book or whatever I want to do, create a food blog, maybe I have no idea how to blog or anything like that. That's not going to be a good match for me. I think this is, I think this is perfect, right? It's like, I love baseball, but I am just have reached a plateau of my talent. You know, it's like, I'm not, exactly. I'm never going to be a professional baseball player. Exactly. So even if you have the passion, you got to make sure that you combine it with the talent. So I think for someone like you, you might be able to write about baseball, but you want to make a list of, okay, here are my passions and here are my talents and how can I combine those two? Okay. So being a professional baseball player, that might not be <laughs> probably, it for Probably you. not going to be in the cards. Um, yeah, probably <clears throat> not. But you could do something else around that that honed in on your skills. This can be related, you know, to what you're doing at work or outside of work. So, you know, for example, you're, um, you have engineering skills, Lexmark is paying you for your engineering skills. And if you happen to, you know, really like the engineering part, but not necessarily like the environment, maybe there's a side hustle opportunity that is around engineering or, you know, I'm doing component design or something. Um, you know, maybe there's something to be done around that, or maybe I'm good at, uh, drafting or, or whatever the 3d modeling or whatever it is. Exactly. And I think thinking about all the skills that you have, because some that you just might not even think about, but skills that you're learning at your job, whether they're, you know, you're managing people, whether you're organizing, I mean, whatever that is, I think just honing in kind of on all those skills to see what you can do. Because even if you're going into the same field or a different field, you're still taking the same set of skills with you. So I think that's something to really keep in mind. This is a really tough question to answer for me. Anyway, somebody asked me the other day this week, um, what are you good at? And it was like, <laughs> it just, I was like shocked and silent. It's like, oh man, nobody's ever asked me that before. And so it took a second to like, you know, really like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> what did you answer? What are you good at, Nick? So I answered with uh, learning. Like I've always been a good student and, um, you know, that's, that's been able to help me like, um, not just learning, but like learning how to learn and the uh, 
um, you know, process of being resourceful and figuring stuff out. Um, I put in something about uh, process documentation, and I, I forget the third one. <laughs> okay. Well, I think those are really critical, and that's what I felt like as an engineer. Is I didn't necessarily. I mean, I learned engineering, but I learned how to learn. And I think that's a really valuable skill to have. Definitely. Oh, the third one, the third one was an experimenter's mindset, which is something I've been really big on lately, which is just kind of viewing it as a, as a scientific experiment. You think of like a scientist in a lab, like there's no such thing as a failed experiment. It's just one that proves or disproves his, uh, his or her hypothesis. And so, you know, even though most of my, <laughs> my side hustle attempts have, have really fall flat on their face, um, you know, it's kind of looking at that as an experiment. Well, it didn't work, so let's try something different uh, the next time. And rather than looking at it as just a straight up failure, like, oh, God, you know, this is not going to work at all. Exactly. I mean, it's like the Thomas Edison quote, you know, he didn't find a thousand, he didn't fail a thousand times, he found a thousand ways that didn't work. Totally. That's really all you can do. Yeah, definitely. You know, because that just means you're diving in and you're actually doing something instead of being stalled and doing absolutely nothing. That's so. why I encourage people just to, to get started with anything. Like just pick a path that doesn't really matter because it's likely to fail anyways. But, you know, just the experience <laughs> from just trying to be realistic, um, you know, not, not you just, I don't mean that in a discouraging way at all. Like full disclaimer, like I just, you know, for full disclosure, like my, you know, probably the majority of my attempt, my projects and stuff have not worked out and I've never made any money. Um, but it's kind of that, that process of doing the work and, um, and learning what does learning what works and doesn't work. Like it's just the most valuable thing you can have as a, as an entrepreneur. Well, exactly. And when you look at it as failure, I mean, what is failure? Did I fail at my retail store? Did I fail at my health coaching? And, and I can't, I don't really see it like that because I learned valuable things that I'm going to use in the end that are bringing me success in the end. And I think of it as like success as a person, like I am successful. It might not be that my business was, but I'm just, I'm growing as a person and as an entrepreneur. So it's looking at me as an individual. So that's just a way that I like to look at it. Right. It's that internal measure. So very good. Mm -hmm. What is question number three? Question number three. So now you have your passion or what you're interested in or you like it enough <laughs> in, in that case so you hone on in on hone in on that and then you have your talents and skills listed out the third one and this is the one that I didn't ask myself when I started the retail store is what did I want my ideal day to look like if I quit my job and I know we're talking about the side hustle so we got to kind of move beyond the side hustle and think about okay if I did this full time you know what would that look like like, so I always tell people, take out a piece of paper and describe your ideal day from start to finish. You know, when do you want to wake up? Where do you want to work? Who do you want to work with? You know, all of that good stuff, just kind of write it out. Like you're just describing your whole day. And the thing is with this is it, it gives you kind of a plan of, okay, you know, maybe, maybe I, um, you know, want to open a restaurant or retail store in my case. And, you write out your ideal day and you realize that you actually really like working from home and you'd rather work behind the computer. And so even though you might have the passion and the talent to do the retail store, in my case, what I really like is working at home. And so when I forgot to ask myself this question, I got into the wrong business. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they just kind of dive into something and they're like, oh, wait, um, I don't really want to be at a retail store from 10 to 5, 10 to 6 
every day, just like I didn't want to be at my corporate job from 10 to 6. And I'd rather, you know, work by myself or I'd rather work in a co-working space. I'd rather do this or that. So I think really honing in on what, what do you want your day to look like? How do you want your business to look? And try to fit your business around your life and not your life around your business. Yeah, that's so. really good. Because you can kind of work backwards from there. Um, and Julian Gordon from SideHustla.com had a post uh, probably a month or two ago about um, your perfect average day, which takes this idea. And he talks, hey, I just had my perfect average day. And he describes, you know, what he did. Hey, I had a couple client calls. I spent some time with my wife. And it was just like, you know, this, this is this is my business as it is today. And um, he kind of working backwards to get to that point. I, th- I thought it was a really good post. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. Because some people like me, as I said, I don't really like to work with other people. I just like to be alone and do my own thing. And that's just how how I do it. But other people really like to be around other people. And or they like to be in a co working space, or they like to have they like to manage people. And I think you have to think of that when you're coming up with your ideal business is okay, you know, if my business gets really large, am I gonna have to manage? people? Do I have to hire somebody on? Do I want to do that? And and just looking at, you know, do I want to build a business? Do I want to be a solopreneur? What do I want to do? And what do I want my day to like? And as you said, you know, work backwards from that to create the right business for yourself. Very good. So we've got what lights you up? What talent and skills do you have? And what do I want my ideal day to look like? And from there, that will help generate some side hustle ideas. Is there any other resource? And so we can link to, um, you know, the, the giant list of, of 79 side hustle ideas um, yeah. <laughs> in the show notes. It's just sidehustlenation.com slash ideas. Um, but any other resources for people like trying to generate that first idea? Like, you know, if I'm in the employee mindset, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know. Like I could, be, what's the quote? Like I could be great at anything if I could just figure out what <laughs> what to do or what that thing is. There, there are a couple things you can do to really generate those ideas. You know, if one of those 79 plus ideas on your website doesn't, you know, speak to somebody, <laughs> there, there's a way that you can generate some ideas. And I think the first thing is, is to, to think about what problems and issues have you struggled with at some point. And this is how I became a health coach. As I talked about, I had dealt with having my own issues, health problems, and I had solved them through changing my diet and my health routines and everything like that. And so, but when I was going through that, I didn't have any resources. I didn't have anyone around me to help. And so I got into health coaching because I was like, you know, people need the support and they need this help when they're going through these transitions in their life, whether they're trying to heal their body or whether they're trying to lose weight or whatever that looks like for them. And the frustrations that you have on a daily basis can actually help drive these new business ideas. So I always say, take a pen and a piece of paper, or if you're more in the new school, take your phone, your (laughs) smartphone (laughs) with you. And just anytime something kind of bugs you, just jot down like, okay, this kind of bugged me. Maybe I could come up with an idea around that. Right. Because once you figure out, uh, once you figure out the solution, uh, chances are other people are having that same issue and you can, um, 
turn around and sell it to them. So just this week, somebody was asking me, Hey, do you, do you do like a thesis theme customizations and stuff? I was like, dude, I installed thesis for like a week and banged my head against the wall and could not figure it out. But, um, so, you know, there's a business idea, you know, you know, be the, be the WordPress guy that like specializes in thesis or something. Exactly. And through my, through my blog, go fire yourself. I mean, quitting my job was something that I struggled with. It was hard. And so I'm like, okay, how can I help other people? And same with Side Hustle Nation. It's like, how can I help people do what I did that I probably struggled with? So I think that's that's really the main way to come up with ideas. There's another way um, that's really also worked for me is setting aside an idea time during the week or even during your day or month or whatever that looks like for you is just... And we a lot of us do this anyway, but just setting aside that time to read magazines, watch... TED Talks, listen to podcasts, read blogs, just whatever that looks like for you, because there are always ideas waiting to be extracted from any of that stuff. You know, even if you go through your website and read that whole list of ideas, maybe one of those doesn't speak to you, but I guarantee you it's going to spark something in you where you're going to come up with a different idea. Yeah, follow some of those links and figure out, you know, listen to some of those interviews and say, well, maybe that's not going to work, you know, word for word, but I'm going to. I'm going to pivot on it a little bit and do something else. Exactly. Or that works in the health food genre, but I want to do it in this genre or something like that. And I think that's great. And that's actually how I originally learned about health coaching is I was reading a magazine one day and there was an interview with a lady who was a health coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like what I want to do. That's perfect for me. So I started researching her and where she went to school and learned about the school that I went to and all of that. And if I had ever sat down and read that magazine, you know, I wouldn't have been on that path. So I think setting aside some time or just building that into your daily life of just idea time. That's really great. We are, we're up to five uh, points now. So we have the first, the first three questions, then number four, what problems and issues have you dealt with? And then five, you know, make sure to schedule some kind of creative time, some reading time, some, you know, uh, media digestion time that's, um, that's valuable to you, not just, uh, you know, sitting there and watching, uh, um, orange is the new black. <laughs> exactly. I have one more for you if you're interested. Okay. Let's hear it. All right. I think the last one here to me is brainstorming with other business owners or other like-minded people, because I can't tell you how many ideas I've come up with just through talking to somebody, somebody who gets what I'm doing, not like my mom or something, but somebody who under (laughs) (laughs) my mom's like, why don't you just get a job? (laughs) But (laughs) through talking to like-minded people, people with another side hustle, people that are running their full-time businesses. And I would say, don't be afraid that people are going to steal your idea. Cause a lot of times we don't want to share our ideas uh, because we're afraid someone's going to run with it. But you're going to execute your idea your way better than they're going to do it. So I just say, talk to people about your idea. And a lot of times it's going to morph into a new idea or a different idea, and you're going to take it on a different track. But I think talking with people and brainstorming is the last way that I would say to generate some of those ideas. This is great. This is in, um, I forget the name of the book, but they call it like artists lunches, right? Where you can schedule a, a lunch meeting or a coffee meeting with, uh, you know, with another business owner, with somebody else who's trying to do similar things and just bounce ideas off each other. And just before this call, I can attest to this. I was just on a call with, a, with another entrepreneur 
And he was just like, hey, you know, what what way can we, uh, you know, work together to, you know, to support each other, to grow the business. And, and we came out like with, you know, three or four different actions we could take. And just, you know, I never really thought about it before because we never talked, um, you know, talked it out one on one. And so now we've got kind of a bullet point list of stuff we can do in the next couple of weeks to, to make something happen. So I'm pretty excited about that. Exactly. And that's so valuable and something that if you're just sitting at your office desk at home that you probably wouldn't have come up with. Definitely. So I love that. Well, very cool. I think that is a good point to uh, move towards wrapping things up, Laurel. So can you leave us with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation and then let us know where we can connect with you online? Fear is just a companion in your journey. It's not that you're going to wake up one day and it's magically going to disappear (laughs) and then you're fearless. It was all just a bad dream. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bad dream and you're just going to rock out from now on and there you go. That's just not how it's going to work. It's going to be with you there the whole time. And I recommend just embracing it and let it be the driving force that keeps you moving towards your goal, working harder, doing better, and not the force that keeps you stuck right where you are. So I think harnessing those fears for your benefit and working with them instead of resisting them is just my number one tip for people that want to get started and want to get moving forward with their side hustle. Yeah, you've got to make that that fear of um, you know fear of working that nine to five for for the next thirty years uh, has to be less than the fear of, of failure for starting out a new business. Exactly. Very cool. And so the the blog is gofireyourself.com. Anywhere else people can find you. Well, that's a great place for people to find me because, of course, all my Twitter and Facebook stuff is on there. So it's just www.gofireyourself.com. There's also, (laughs) yeah, well, I I try to pick something fun. And there's also a link to my photography website if you're in Nashville and you want to check that out if you're a musician or anything like that. But yeah, the blog's definitely, definitely the place to go. So I'd love to see people there. And and I also have a podcast as well. So they can check that out on, on the blog and on iTunes. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Fear is just a companion on your journey. It's your travel buddy. That's a tip I haven't, 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 (laughs) that's a tip we haven't had on the show before, but it's one I really like. You know, that fear and that stress of running a business never really goes away, but it forces you to take action and perform. Uh, You know, one of the biggest fears I hear from, uh, from other side hustlers, even in my own house and in my own mind, is what happens if it doesn't work out? You know, it's this big, scary unknown in the equation. For example, um, you know, if you quit your job to go travel, and, and what happens if you find out you don't like it? Or what happens if you find out you love it, but you run out of money? And then you, find can't, and then you can't find another job because you have this gap on your resume. Like, it just goes on and on and on. But you never know until you try. And that's kind of why I advocate uh, this side hustle brand of entrepreneurship, because you can test stuff out in a lower risk environment, not, not opening up a retail store with a $5,000 monthly nut to crack uh, like Laurel did. So let's learn from her lesson and, um, and go about it in a different way. So next steps, uh, answer the questions we talked about during the show and let me know what you come up with in the comments at sidehustlenation.com slash episode 24. And that's it for the show. Until next time, go out there and make something happen and I'll see you next week in episode 25. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 